2: Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, this is a call from
2: Temujin Kensu.
1: A prisoner at the Michigan Department of Corrections, Maycomb Facility. To accept this call, press zero. To refuse this call, thank you for using GTL. Hey, good day, my awesome
2: Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show, In 1987, a man by the name of Temujin Kenzu was convicted for the murder of Scott Macklem, a crime that happened over 400 miles away from where dozens of witnesses would place him. Nonetheless, the prosecutors would manage to convince a jury that Temujin would pull off the impossible. Since his conviction, not only has a jailhouse snitch come forward to recant his testimony and admit to lying on the stand to try and get himself freed... But in fact, a federal judge would overturn Temujin's sentence. Yet, he remains incarcerated today. Since 1989, More than 3,400 people in the United States have been exonerated, with more than 30,000 years lost between them. And in 2022, 248 people were freed from U.S. prisons after being wrongfully convicted.
0: It happened so quick. Like The moment she died, I went, I got locked straight up for it. Griffin was a first-time father, convicted to a life sentence on murder charges for a crime he's always maintained he didn't commit.
2: How many years did you spend in prison?
0: Um, I was in prison for, to be exact, 21 years, 7 months, and 29 days. For a crime you didn't commit? For a crime I didn't commit. Hi, my name's Dennis Mayer. I spent 19 years, 2 months, and 29 days in prison. I was exonerated through the use of DNA. Mayor was convicted of rape and assault and battery charges. He was released in... 2000. And although Ginny says she could tell, right from the start, that there was no way that nice boy committed murder, it would take the state of Missouri 28 years to confirm her Johnson intuition. Is granted.
1: 43 months. years after entering a Missouri prison, after being convicted in a triple murder that prosecutors now say he did not commit... Kevin Strickland is finally free, exonerated today. A North
0: Carolina man sentenced to 80 years in
2: prison for rape and burglary. 64-year-old Ronnie Long is his name. He has always said he was innocent, and he was suddenly released late last week after the state of North Carolina admitted it could no longer defend the case.
1: The state kept its word, finally ending Long's 44-year quest to clear his name. It began in May of 1976, when Long was accused of breaking into a home in Concord, North Carolina, and raping a 54-year-old white woman, Sarah Bost. Although there was no physical evidence tying Long to the crime, he was convicted by an all-white jury and given an 80-year... stuck in prison for more than three decades for murder, a life sentence that even a judge now says you would not be found guilty of today. A Missouri man in prison for nearly two decades for a murder he did not commit is free this morning an emotional david robinson walked out of prison last night after missouri's attorney general and local prosecutors dismissed the charges against him
2: final story tonight
0: is about mary jones she's in her 70s but she just began a new life she was released from prison this week after serving more than three decades behind bars for a crime she didn't commit. Leonard Mack already served his hard time in Sing Sing prison for a crime he never committed, but the conviction was still hanging over his head affecting so many aspects of his life. Well, new DNA evidence proved his innocence, and today his conviction was vacated almost half a century later. A
1: local man is freed after spending 28 years in prison for crimes he did not commit. An emotional day in court today as a rape conviction from 1975 was overturned in Westchester County. Leonard Mack served more than seven years in state prison, but new DNA evidence cleared his name. Sources are telling me Devontae Sanford is already being transported
0: back to this area and then finally set to be released as early as tomorrow. The 23-year-old has been in prison since he was 14 years old after police said he had confessed to the murders of four people. The incredible part of this story is that two weeks after the four homicides on Runyon Street in Detroit, another man known as Vincent Smothers, a self-confessed hitman, admitted to numerous killings, including those four that sent Sanford to prison. Still remarkably, it's taken
2: this. October 2nd this year marked the 10th annual Wrongful Conviction Day where many advocates, lawyers, politicians and exonerees come together to try and bring awareness to the issues surrounding wrongful convictions. With current estimates sitting anywhere between forty to 100,000 people currently incarcerated for crimes they didn't commit. Temujin and his supporters were hoping that this day might bring attention to his situation and more importantly get a response from Michigan's current governor. Governor Wetmore, who, at this stage, is the only woman with the power to release Temujin from prison. But it would appear, sadly not. Your ears must be burning. I was only just talking about you, sir. (laughs) Well,
0: I hope it was good.
2: Yeah, no, I just uh, did an interview on another podcast and uh, talking about the show and I was... uh, Banging on about the injustice of Temujin Kenzu. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Our governor's uh, really not doing anything.
2: Well, so tell me where we're at, though, because we obviously, we just had, um, you know, you just recently had the Wrongful Conviction Day, which, you know, obviously everyone was hoping would cause more noise and uh, more attention, and uh, by the sounds of it, unfortunately not.
0: Well, they had the National Wrongful Conviction Convention, too, out in Arizona and, you know, here in the States. And um, just by coincidence, I happened to call Jason. He was at the event with Kalia, and there were all these exonerees there. And he said, everybody here is talking about your case. So even though, obviously, the event was not about me, I was really honored to hear that like at all the different booths and the speakers, like everybody was talking about the chemi- the Temitigansu story. Yeah, and I actually got to talk to some exonerees that were there at the event, including ones that Jason had helped free. And um, you know, it's it's always amazing to speak to somebody who's been through what I've been through. You know, and, and to hear them on the outside living life, and you're so happy for them. But even the guys that I spoke to on the floor of the conference were like, "Dude, everyone here is talking about your case, and you know, and this terrible injustice, and how your governor won't do anything about it." and um, you know, this is obviously, this is very political and, um, she's refusing to comment. Uh, a guy from, uh, NBC just came to see me here and I had a great interview with him uh, a couple days ago. Uh, Liam Rappel is writing for them right now. And, um, so, uh, you know, we've got a bunch of national media coming up too, and she's refusing to talk to anybody. And, you know, this is so uncommon. You can't shut a politician up. You yeah. know, it's a chance Absolutely. to grandstand, yeah. but when it comes to this case, it's radio silence, no matter who calls them. Even when the major networks call them, they will not talk. So it shows you they know what they're doing. It shows you this is a, a very corrupt, corrupt process. Because obviously they would you know, be willing to speak and say, hey, at least you know, we're looking at it. And, um, but they won't even do that. So um, they get called out constantly, and they're, they're, they're losing a lot of support.
2: One thing that struck me since starting this project about many of the people that I talk with that are incarcerated is their kindness and focus towards helping others, while they themselves are in the worst situations they could be. From David Talley, 100 years of incarceration with no possibility of ever getting out, spends his days in the law library helping others with their cases. Jason Vukovic over 20 years to serve in prison who makes it his mission to help youngsters coming into prison avoid gangs Tony Duke life without the possibility of parole becomes a minister to lead the church in his prison and help others around him And many others that I speak with that have not yet been on the show doing a host of different things from growing fruit and vegetables for external charities to training service dogs for people in need so many of these men and women all say that they want to give back. And Temujin Kenzu is by no means any different, as he tells me about a new charity that he's starting involving his three biggest loves. His wife, puppies, and helping others.
0: You know, we started the puppy project for that. Now, did Paul tell you about that?
2: No, I, know, I don't know about this, no.
0: Okay well so uh, I don't know if we don't have a lot of time but I had a friend of mine who was wrongfully uh, incarcerated Larry uh, Smith it's a reunion with family Larry Smith has dreamed of since he was 18 years old back when he was sentenced to life without parole following first-degree murder and felony firearm convictions hey, Y'all see? Yeah. You got your oh, yeah. reporter Kim Craig there as Larry now 45 finally got the chance to talk about injustice he's suffered since March of 19 19- 1994. Detroit police had claimed he was behind a shooting murder on Annabelle, despite lack of witness testimony and forensic evidence. Prosecutors back then instead relying on a later discredited jail informant, who said Larry confessed to him. And when he got out, I had, you know, i had been helping him and supporting him. When he got out, he was, he was very supportive for us. He was wearing the free Temujin masks during COVID. And anywhere he went, when he went to speak publicly, he always talked about my case as being the worst, you know, the worst one and an example of how the attorney general of Michigan and the governor of Michigan were failing to fix this, this awful injustice. And I was very grateful to him. So he was at an event, and Paula had taken one of our little puppies along, a little Yorkie named Baby Bear. And he was holding Baby Bear, and he started crying. And this is a big, tough convict. You know, this is your typical big, tough convict. And um, he had tears in his eyes, and I called him. I was like, dude, you know what's going on? And he said, that little puppy just broke my heart. You know, I just wanted to give it so much love. And so when you're in here and you don't have that connection, you know, you want to connect with something. And um, so I saw that. So another friend of ours who was an exoneree's mother, she raises dogs. And, um, I had gotten a hold of them and she had little puppies and Larry had seen these puppies and he was in love with them and they were very expensive dogs. And, you know, he's like, I can't afford that. Mm. And so I said to Paula, let's get him a puppy. So I sent the money for the puppy. To my friend's mother, who breeds them, and she let him have a, his pick of one of the little the little puppies. And they're little little guys. They're like little like a little Yorkie, Shizu, Tzu, cockapoo kind of thing. So they're small dogs. Yeah. But they was still just a little tiny puppy when he got it, and he was bawling like a baby. Nice. We put together a care package for him, you know, with food and blankets and toys and all that. And he instantly named the dog uh, Be Sexy. Yeah, because he's so cute. And um, takes the dog everywhere with him, and he posts photos of him and the dog everywhere that he goes. And the dog is like his little permanent companion. And I just saw the effect that had on him, you know, being this guy who'd been through hell in this awful situation and had been wrong for so long. And then he got out, and, and he just wanted something to love. You know, and he didn't have a lot in his life, but now he has this puppy. And so, you know, you pour everything into that animal and the animal just gets spoiled, which is great for the animal, too. Yeah. And so I said, you know, this had such an amazing effect on him. And um, the few times that I get contact with a dog, it always moves me emotionally, too. And so I said, you know what? We should turn this into something. And um, Paula loved the idea. And I talked to Jason and Clea about it, and they loved the idea. And um, they're like, we have to, we have to do this. And so, you know, fate blessed us with like uh, 13 dogs. And so um, we found some homes for some of them. And uh, now our first one is going to uh, an exonerated female prisoner. Name, uh, her name is Kiara. And Paula's connected with her, and she's just a wonderful person. And so she'll be getting uh, the first official puppy from the Kensus canines. So our plan is, uh, you know, we're really going to expand the project. Now that we have uh, some people that are very interested and we plan on expanding it, my hope is eventually Paula can quit her job because she's working full-time for the bank. Yeah. And, and just devote her time to this. And we, presently we have at least, you know, uh, eight or nine dogs to give away. We're going to have a lot more. And then we also want to, you know, we want to branch off into service animals. So we want to have dogs for, let's say, a hard-of-hearing individuals and PTSD dogs because uh you know prison is very traumatic for a lot of people especially yeah. for the wrongfully incarcerated or those who are disabled or who have mental health issues so there is a screening process but um, our goal is to get uh, as many animals and hopefully branch into maybe kittens or something too. get pets to as many people as possible to, you know, to help with this healing process. And I can, from personal experience, I can tell you, like I said, the the small amount of time I get to spend with the leader dogs from our leader dog program in the MDOC is, is, you know, insanely therapeutic. And seeing what it did for Larry and Kiara is so excited waiting for her puppy right now that um, we think it's going to be a great success. It's going to help a lot of people and help them come over you know, the trauma of being incarcerated. Now, you know, we, this is something we want to do all around the world. This is not limited to the state. So the bigger we can make the project, the more people we want to help. This is not about us making any money. Everything is going to getting dogs and, you know, vet care and getting the dogs to the people. So um, we want to start taking in rescue animals. You know, make sure we get them vet checked to see that everything's okay and their issues are addressed. And also, some people want you know larger dogs, and right mm. now we only have small dogs, for example.
2: Yeah, or, I mean, this is um, it's perfect for rescue mean, animals because yeah. you know, I have mean, been doing some fostering recently of um, so, some dogs. And I know it's
0: wonderful. It's
2: um, yeah. it's a great idea you because to keep them? we've kept one. We kept one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, so. <laughs> I thought
0: you might
2: break down. No, no, we had three at one point, and my wife was thinking about divorcing me because it was just chaos in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what what. what Your lovely other half goes through with 13 of them.
0: Well, if you go through our if you go through our Facebook page and you see how adorable those little puppies are, I think if Paula had to choose, I'd be on the losing end too.
2: Yeah, no, I mean most of All of them went to um, to a very loving homes. So there was this, <clears throat> there was one yeah. uh, cattle dog that we just couldn't let go. She was she was part of the family, oh, yeah. so uh, she is now with us yep, uh, yep. for uh, for the next fifteen Terminally. plus years, Aww. whatever it will be. So um, Aww, well, so that's a that's a beautiful that's thing you're doing, fun. mate. As always, think about other people when you're in your situation, and um, you know I know there's a lot of yeah. dog, dog programs that happen in. Um, Um, In prisons over in the states, and I talked to a couple of guys who've got um, dogs that they train, and and they say how just therapeutic it is is for them, and gives them, you know, a a purpose and something to care for, and you know, it's amazing.
0: My uncle Bobby, just by coincidence, um, the only person my family's ever been in trouble was an uncle that had, sadly, had a drunk driving related death, and um, he was actually the head of the dog program at the Coldwater facility when it first began in the MDOC over 20 years ago. And uh, just by chance, he became the leader of the program. That do- that program was for greyhounds, the racing greyhounds, yeah, which, right. you know, they used to destroy yeah. after the racing careers were over, which is horrible. Yeah. And the MDOC agreed to start um, fostering the greyhounds, and so they started with that program. Now some prisons in Michigan have rescue dogs. Uh, unfortunately, this facility won't allow rescue dogs. So we have a leader dog program, but it's very limited. I think there are about seven or eight dogs on a compound right now. It's 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 terrible because you have hundreds of prisoners that would love to be involved in helping these animals. Sure. And our present director, Heidi Washington, you know, she will not expand these programs. And so you have uh, homes literally for thousands of animals right now available and inmates that would love to take care of these, these guys and girls. And um, she just has no interest in, 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 well, she's pretty much eliminated all of our programming, so she has no interest in expanding that program either.
2: Sounds like Even someone, is, someone who's in, into, someone's into punishment, not uh, rehabilitation.
0: Yeah, she, since she came in in 2015, she's taken away musical equipment, hobby craft, personal clothing, most of our jobs, all of our sports. Yeah, her mindset has been take, take, take. And so it's caused a massive increase in drug use, gang activity, theft, and violence, and even homicides in the MDOC, because if prisoners were idle in large numbers, eventually they're going to start engaging in you know, other activities for quotation marks entertainment, if you want to call it that. And since we lost all the beneficial things that we had, She's made it impossible to get books. You know, they, they, they ban 90% of our mail, or they find insane reasons to censor things. They have nothing to do with security. It's just to beat us down and beat us down and beat us down. I mean, to the point where she wouldn't even let me wear a suit for my wedding. When I was married to Amiko, my prior wife, um, in 2001, I was there allowed to wear priest robes to my wedding because I was, you know, still handling the Buddhist services at that time. And my wife was allowed to do the same. And this wedding, Paula wore a beautiful wedding dress, and I had to wear prison blues because she thinks it's funny to demean us like that. So she actually wrote a memorandum saying that, that the inmate uh, prisoner could no longer wear something nice for their wedding. So if you marry a female prisoner, you can come in in a suit, and she has to wear prison blues. And when I wore married Paula, she came in, in a beautiful wedding dress, and I had to wear prison blues. So there, I mean, that has nothing to do with custody and security. That's just, that's just to dehumanize us. And that's been Heidi's agenda since she came in. Actually, they she call her Horrible Heidi. That's her nickname in the MDOC.
2: But see, this is the thing, it's like, you know, I just, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to create uh, an environment where people wanted to do better, people want to, you know, oh, sure. so, so you say, okay, yeah. we're going to bring this dog program in, but as soon as you mess up, the dogs are gone. Right. And it's like, okay, so everyone will right, be- exactly. behave, yeah. and you know, we're, we're going to give you this, but as long as, you know, as long as we don't get yeah. no trouble, if there's any issues, it's going to be gone. It's a reward-based yeah. system where people start to do better and change themselves because they're exactly. given things to do. You know, you look at other countries, I think it's Sweden, where they say, you know, this is, the punishment is being locked up in this place, okay? So when they come exactly,
0: here... Yeah. They, exactly, yeah. Well, exactly the mindset over there, yeah. Yeah. But then Europe, sort of, uh, all through Europe, Germany, Finland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, um, and there's some phenomenal programs online you can watch with interviews with the wardens from those countries that say the punishment is being locked up. Our job now is to make you better when you leave. And Heidi's mindset, from the moment she came in, was to take the things we had that made us better and make us worse. So she's not given us one single thing since she's been in office, but she's taken 90% of what we had. She won't even give our visits back. You know, they they restricted our visits massively, and they blamed COVID, even though COVID had nothing to do with visiting restrictions. But then once COVID was over, and it's long over for us, um, she will not restore the visitation, because that's how families unite and spend time.
1: You have one minute remaining.
0: Sadly, this has been her agenda. And, you know, our governor is fully aware of this. Our, our, our Mission Corrections Union has fought to get Heidi out of there. The families want her gone. The staff want her gone. Uh, but the governor, again, she refused to take any action to correct this, too. So she knows what's going on, and she knows about the murders and the drugs and things, but she won't get rid of Heidi or do anything to make things better. So it's been six years of promises of better angels and no follow-up.
2: So the fight for Temujin Kenzu's freedom continues. And as always, if you want to get involved, please make sure you check out the One Minute Remaining Facebook page for all the details on how you can get involved, as well as, of course, Temujin Kenzu on social media, which is run by his wonderful other half. And I, of course, will keep you up to date with Temujin and his situation. One Minute Remaining is a Mashed Pumpkin production created, hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Audio and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans of Earsay.